This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Wildcat Scoop Podcast. I'm Wildcat Authority Senior Editor Jason Shear, and we are less than 48 hours away from Arizona's season opener against BYU in Las Vegas. Uh, I personally am headed out on Friday. Going to make my drive down there, get there Friday night, and um, unfortunately, like you guys, I can't pregame the heck out of it, but I'll be there at the game and uh, pretty excited to, to get back in a college football stadium, or a football stadium, I should say. It's not really a college football stadium, but... Uh, excited to see the crowds and kind of get back in the atmosphere with the bands playing and all that and um, it, it should be a hopefully a fun game for Arizona fans um, back in Tucson on Thursday Jed Fish held a press conference one last press conference before the team leaves on Friday and he didn't really touch on anything too crazy um, was asked some depth chart questions asked how he's going about the week etc um, as far as the depth chart goes, there weren't a lot of surprises. Um, you know, right now there's they're traveling 80 guys. Uh, there's going to be some guys that maybe surprise people in terms of who didn't travel. Um, for instance, running back Bam Smith is probably the fifth running back on the roster right now. So there's really not any value in, in having a guy like him travel because you're not playing five running backs against BYU. Uh, Michael Wiley, Drake Anderson, Stevie Rocker, and Jalen John were the four running backs. No surprise there. Thought Rocker could maybe get the two spot. Um, it, honestly, it's probably Drake Anderson or Stevie Rocker. I think you could see some sets where they're on the field at the same time. Um, using Drake Anderson, we've talked about this in the past, but using Drake Anderson as more of a, a pass-catching running back, I think they're going to use that quite a bit. Um, and Anderson's probably the best of the bunch in terms of being able to catch out of the backfield. On the offensive line, there wasn't really any surprises. There's one injury we can't talk about. We're not allowed to talk about injuries. Um, I th- during pregame, we'll probably be able to talk about it pretty quickly. In my opinion, there wouldn't be a huge drop-off. Uh, there'd be a drop-off. Anytime you go from a starter to a backup, there's a drop-off, but it's not the type of situation that would be crippling to Arizona's chances of success. But hopefully on Saturday, we can uh, discuss that a little bit more on Wildcat Authority. Probably the biggest news of the offensive line was twofold. Uh, JT Hand, true freshman backup at center, a legitimately good offensive lineman. Um, Brandon Carroll said that had he been on campus normal time in the summer, like the other freshman, probably wouldn't be in the position that he is now. Was able to get to campus in January, worked really hard, and has really come a long way. He's still a freshman. You're still going to see some mistakes, uh, but he's done very well during fall camp. and. Um, while Josh McCauley is a guy you want on the field at you know most of the times, I think that you'll see JT Han get in there uh, a little bit and, and have some success. Uh, Edgar Barola at right tackle behind Peyton Fears is a guy who, to me, he's going to push eventually for a, for a starting job. Uh, you know he's he's been very good throughout camp. 
Fierce is the guy that Brendan Carroll likes, but I, I think at the end of the day, it wouldn't surprise me if Barola is uh, is just the better lineman. But we'll kind of see that unfold maybe as soon as um, this weekend. On the defensive side of the ball with the depth chart, uh, nothing too crazy. Again, Jalen Harris starting defensive end. There's four guys listed there with Nahe Salunga, Arisama Satanoa, and uh, Sanatoa, and uh, Jason Harris. Jason Harris came on strong near the end of camp. He deserves to be on the depth chart, even though it's the fourth spot. But the reality is that Jalen Harris isn't leaving the field very much. Uh, Kyan Bars was listed as the starter at defensive tackle. Um, the reason why that's noticeable is because he missed pretty much all of camp with an undisclosed injury. Uh, we do know, sources have indicated, he has practice this week. And if he's ready to go, it's hard to keep him off the field. Level Tatum is the backup there. We say backup, but he's going to get plenty of playing time. He's a guy that was running with the first team quite a bit um, near the end of camp. Uh, the anchor position, J.B. Brown gets to start over Mo Diallo. Uh, I don't really think that matters, to be honest with you. I think Mo Diallo winds up getting more snaps. It's going to be 50-50 at worst. Um, you know, Don Brown said it best. He said that anchor position, it lines up over the tight end, and he wants to see a tight end that can block Mo Diallo. And simply put, Diallo may already be you know, probably top two linemen on the team, maybe top three for sure. But he's a guy that's going to make an immediate impact that I really, really like. So the fact that he's second on the depth chart is something that I wouldn't read into at all, to be honest with you. Uh, linebacker position, no real surprises there. Pandy Hayward and Kenny Ebert. We've talked about Kenny Ebert before, transfer Vanderbilt. With him, it all comes down to health. If he's healthy, the coaching staff loves him, but that's a big if. Um, I wouldn't expect him to dominate the number of snaps. I think Isaiah Johnson and him probably split the, the number of snaps for health reasons and the fact that Isaiah Johnson had a strong camp. Uh, Anthony Pandy at the will, backed up by Malik Reed, Rashi Hodge. Um, those two guys are going to play quite a bit because they're going to play in passing situations and they're going to be asked to cover tight ends. And to me, Malik Reed and Rashi Hodge are the two best linebackers in coverage, so there's going to be packages where they're going to go in be asked to cover tight ends um, and, and kind of be one of the more important parts of the defense. Jerry Roberts is a guy uh, battled injury a little bit towards the end of camp. We'll see if he's healthy, but um, if he healthy, if he's healthy, he's going to play quite a bit. Uh, corner, not a lot of depth there. Rutherford and Christian Roland Wallace are going to play the majority of the game. Trade on Stuke, should he play, um, should be also in there and um, should be fine to play. Uh, as a third corner. The fourth quarter, I'm not really sure there is one. <laughs> uh, Christian Roland Wallace isn't leaving the field unless he absolutely has to, and if he does, Malik Hausman's probably that guy. Uh, Isaiah Mays is listed as the third corner, but I'd be pretty surprised if he got any playing time at corner. Jaquelin Morgan is a guy that played well in camp. I'm curious to see um, if he travels as a true freshman. At safety, Jaden Young and Gunnar Maldonado, it's an or situation. They're both going to play plenty. There's probably going to be packages where they're on the field together. Um, every coach, defensive coach, and even Jed Fish today um, has spoken highly about Gunnar Maldonado and how well he's done in camp. So he's a guy where uh, you got to keep a close eye on, and, and they like quite a bit. And, um, you know, even though the attention's been on Jaden Young in the offseason, uh, Gunnar Maldonado is a guy that's really come on strong. Jackson Turner um, has also helped start at the rover position, which is pretty much the other safety. Isaiah Taylor, true freshman, makes the uh, – the, the three deep, I should say, uh, because he's behind ready short, but he's a guy, another guy. Um, all of a sudden, towards the end of camp, he's running with the twos and the threes, and he's a guy where, as a true freshman, they, they really like the progress um, that he's made. So 
depth chart, not a lot of surprises, but I think the biggest thing is that there's actual depth. That's something where in the past few years, while it was called a depth chart, there's really like one guy at each position, if that, and behind them there was really no legitimate depth, and I think that was a concern. Um, Arizona still has a ways to go in certain areas. They need to improve at the corner. You'd like to see some more depth, um, you know, maybe on the offensive line. But overall, it is a considerably deeper team, especially defensively, than it was uh, last season. As, uh, as far as BYU's depth chart goes, let's just kind of look at the overall matchup. It's, it's just better off doing that um, instead of breaking down their depth chart. But, I mean, the first thing that really stands out is that quarterback Jaron Hall won the quarterback competition, if you even want to call it a quarterback competition, I, I think it was the situation where it would have taken Jaron Hall um, just completely struggling to lose the starting position, to not be the starting quarterback in the season opener. You'll hear the coaches say that Baylor Romney and freshman Jacob Conover came on strong, but the reality is that Jaron Hall was the guy. He showed why he was the guy in his limited action last season. And the biggest concern with him is just overall mobility. Um, biggest concern for Arizona is overall mobility. He can get to the outside. They'll run some zone read, read option type of stuff with him, but he still has a good arm. Like, don't be fooled and assume that because he can run, he's a running quarterback in the sense where he's not a good thrower. He has the arm. He's just mobile. And so that's going to challenge Arizona's defense to, to get on the edges, contain the edges, and kind of be disciplined. And the way that BYU is going to try to make them pay is, is with those tight ends. Uh, BYU has a very good tight end unit. Uh, what you'll see is they'll use a guy named Isaac Rex as a true freshman. A freshman. <laughs> he had 12 touchdown catches. Um, he's a guy with a you know, he had, I think, two or three games where he had two touchdowns in the game. Um, he is a, a major, uh, major weapon, and he's a guy where I, I mentioned this before, but um, it'll be interesting to see how Don Brown kind of handles the linebackers. Does he trust Hodge or... Um, or Malik Reed to go with him one-on-one. -on -one. And he's not a big yardage guy necessarily. He had 96 yards against UCF, but for the most part, you know, you'll see him get 20, 30, a couple games I think he had 40. Um, but he had 37 receptions, and the 12 touchdowns is big. Uh, two against Texas State, two against Boise State, two against um, some random school that you probably never heard of, and two against San Diego State, and two of UCF. So the random school you never heard of, by the way, is Northern Alabama. So that doesn't count. But... <laughs> for the most part, um, he, uh, he he's he's tough. I mean, he's he is a matchup nightmare. And then they got a guy named Dallin Holker who came back from his mission uh, that they absolutely love. I mean, he, he is another tight end on BYU that is going to be uh, a complete stud. In 2018, he had 19 receptions for 235 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but he's a guy who went on a mission, and then he came back 6'5", um, you know, 240 or whatever it may be. And he's a guy where he came back and uh, he's, it's like he never went on the mission. I think he's like 230 actually. But it's like he never went on the mission um, at all. And so these guys are going to make Arizona pay if the linebackers aren't disciplined and aren't able to kind of stay in their gaps and cover their man. And I, I think that's one of the thing where it becomes very interesting for Don Brown's defense because you want to be aggressive. That's what Don Brown does. Now keep in mind, Everyone calls him Dr. Blitz, and he doesn't have a problem with it. Um, he joked that he's been called worse. But the thing that he's adamant about is, yeah, there's pressure, but it's not the type of pressure where um, it's always blitzing. Like, sometimes they'll show pressure, and it'll kind of be there, 
but it's not necessarily like they're all they're all kind of blitzing. You know, it's going to be like, hey, we're going to show you blitz, but that doesn't mean we're coming. You have to figure out. Uh, you have to figure out whether or not we actually are blitzing. And so what they'll do is they'll throw different looks at Jaron Hall. I think you'll see them trying to complicate situations. The offensive line um, lost some guys. You know, they're, they're returning some veterans. James Empey at, at center is fantastic, one of the best in the country. Um, but they're going to challenge those guys who are all very big, um, starting a, a freshman at guard, another couple sophomore freshmen. So they're, they're going to try to make those guys kind of figure it out. Um, the issue is, you know, if they blitz, where do they come from? Are they able to contain the linebackers? Are they able to contain the edges? And, and one of the questions about Tom Brown's defense is, how does the aggressive defense work against the mobile quarterback? And we're going to find that out um, right away. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of, does Don Brown blitz aggressively like he normally would? Does he hold back? Does he show blitz but not really blitz all the time? How do they kind of attack that? Um, and then, you know, you got the Nakua brothers at wide receiver. I'm interested to see how much they play. They struggled with injuries. Um, Kalani Sataki said that they'd be fine for the season opener, but for all we know, that means they play one snap and they come out. I mean, we just, we don't know. But they still have size with Gunnar Romney and Neil Poe, and they have bigger receivers, press coverage. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. That, that Arizona defense is going to be tested right off the bat. Don Brown's system is going to be tested right off the bat. And it's, it's pretty intriguing to see how this defense does um, overall. In terms of BYU's defense, linebacker, linebacker, linebacker. Peyton Wilgar, Keenan Peely, Max Tooley at Rover. They just have guys that make plays. And they have some newcomers, Tyler Batty at defensive end. They've got some overall younger guys at certain positions. But the secondary is experienced and strong. The linebackers are you know, maybe as deep of a unit as Arizona will face all season. Uh, there is talent at that position. And so, to me, the biggest curiosity I have is how Jed Fish is going to choose to open up this game against BYU uh, offensively. And, and what I mean by that is, what type of offensive tempo does Jed Fish want to set? Now, when Coastal Carolina beat BYU last year, uh, the reason they did it was because they were able to kind of take chunk plays, give what BYU gave them, take time off the clock, and really just execute at a high level. BYU's defense has no issues with an offense that gets those you know three, four-yard gains, keeps it in front of them, and then BYU's defense makes the stops when necessary. Does Jed Fish live with that and say, you know what, on third down, we're going to have to come with conversions, we're going to have to come with some chunk plays, and we'll be fine? Or is he a little more aggressive? Does he establish the run early? Or does he try to get Gunnar Cruz into a, a groove and say, you know what, you're, you need to calm down? And, you know, that that comment's nothing personal. It's like I, I asked Jed Fish in the press conference, I said, how do you get rid of the early nerves? 60,000 people on the road, even if it's a neutral site, first real game in over a year. And he's like, we, we don't. Like, we kind of got to work through it because um, it's inevitable. And, and it is inevitable, in, in my opinion, as well. So... How does Jed Fish work through it? You know, does he establish the rhythm with the run game? Does he have Gunner Cruz come down with some easy completions? Does he throw a bomb the first play and kind of send a message that he's confident in his quarterback? I think it's a big deal. I think those scripted plays will set the tone for the game, and it's a long football game. It's not like a deciding drive, but um, we don't know. I, I think that's the big thing is we don't know, and BYU doesn't know what Jed Fish's offense looks like. We have an idea, 
based on practice and fall camp, but we don't know what the last past week or two they've been they've been working on and you know behind closed doors. And when they go and review tape, Fish joked and said, "Oh, well, maybe they have to watch my you know 17 stops." And he's joking, but it's kind of true because Jet Fish has only so many times had full control of his offense, and he definitely obviously hasn't had full control of his program previously. So. It's like, what offense are we expecting? Is it going to be tricky? Is it going to be attacking the edges? Is it super pro? Is it two tight ends and fullback all the time? Is it three tight ends all the time? And, you know, it, it's a situation where you can't watch Arizona on tape offensively last year. You literally, if you're BYU, you didn't watch one minute. Maybe if you want to see what the skill players look like, but other than that, it's a waste of time. And so what do you do? Do you watch Jed Fish at UCLA? Well, that wasn't necessarily completely his offense. Like, how do you scout Arizona's offense. And so I'm, I'm curious how BYU attacks because BYU isn't an aggressive defense. So do they say, you know what, this is a, a new offense. Let's see what kind of mistakes Arizona makes, keep us and keep them in front of us. My guess is they do, but they could choose the opposite route too. They could be a little more aggressive than normal and say, we're going to force some mistakes and be a little more aggressive than we usually are because we don't trust Arizona's quarterback in this offensive line, et cetera. So there's a lot of intrigue overall in this game. Uh, I picked BYU to win because I think at the end of the day, you're only as good as your personnel for the most part. Like, there's a reason I love Nick Saban, but there's a reason why Alabama's so good. The talent on the team is a joke. Same with Clemson. Same with the top, you know, five teams, the top teams in the Pac-12, whatever it may be. And so I think that Arizona has already taken a major step since last season. But when you compare the personnel overall, BYU is the more talented team. I mean, for the most part, they have better players at, you know, more positions. And that's really oftentimes what it comes down to. Um, I asked on the message board, what's a win? Like, don't tell me the final result is the only way you'll be happy. Like, what would make you happy? And I think for me, as if I was a casual fan, if Arizona keeps it within the spread and shows fight, I, I think that Arizona fans should be generally happy. If it wins the game, I, I'd be very surprised, but I don't think it's impossible. I, I don't view this as a game where... Arizona's going to go in and get, you know, just run off the field. It doesn't feel like that to me. Um, but I think people need to remember that the last game Arizona played was 70-7. to And so I'm not saying, you know, if Arizona loses 60-14, to it's better. No. But I think that if Arizona shows that it's made a major jump forward and it's willing to compete, because let's be real here, they didn't compete and want to compete against ASU. If they're willing to compete against BYU and play their butts off and keep this game relatively close for a good portion of it, uh, I think it's a step in the right direction. If they get blown out, I think it's going to be really hard to get people in the stands against San Diego State because at the end of the day, Arizona fans are a—they uh, want to see results. Whether you know whether uh, it's early, late, wherever it is in the process, they want to see results. So there's a lot of intrigue. Really curious to see Arizona on both sides of the ball because it's so new. A lot of times you see coaching changes, and maybe they keep a coordinator here or there, position coaches. This is new. Up, down, you know, we have no idea what to expect, and and it's pretty exciting in that regard. So, we'll uh, we'll see how Arizona does on Saturday. We'll have a follow up podcast on Sunday to review everything. Make sure you check out WildcatAuthority.com. We have a full preview, prediction, a couple more interviews, all that, and um, yeah, check it out. So once again, I'm Jason Shear, senior editor of WildcatAuthority.com, and this has been the Wildcat Scoop podcast.